Layman's is proud to sponsor Self-Sufficient Life. From time-tested garden tools to nostalgic homestead decor, Layman's can help you enjoy the self-sufficient life. Find Layman's online at lehmans.com. A lot of folks have asked me over the years if they can make money farming or homesteading, but is that even the right question to ask? Hey, it's Tim Young of the TheSelfSufficientLife.com. Today, Liz and I will share why it may not be and what we've learned about living a self-sufficient lifestyle. So, Lizzie, how many times over the years have we heard the question, can you make a living as a farmer or a homesteader? Oh, so many. And I always feel like it's a trick question. I never know how to answer it. That's because there is no right answer. I mean, because I get that question all the time from people. Remember, we used to do farm tours and people would ask us all the time, you know, how much land do you have? I mean, that that's one part of the equation for them. What do you want to do? How much money do you need to make? How, how hard debt? are you willing to work? How hard are you? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty hard if you're a farmer. Do you have any debt? Of course, most people do. So, you know, we get that question, but it was always about the income or in business, what you call the top line. And I always thought that that question was more revealing than any answer that we could provide because they didn't consider all the benefits of homesteading. You know, all the opportunities, not only opportunities you have to eliminate or reduce expenses or save money, but when you change your mindset on homesteading, you don't need the money that you need in that other world, right? Yeah, definitely. And homesteading is definitely a mindset that, you know, once you get into it, it just kind of seeps into every aspect of your life without you even realizing it. You just start saving money um, and, you know, spending less just through the things that you enjoy doing and the way that you want to live without really even trying. Yeah, I did a um, I did a podcast interview recently or actually earlier today with um, Off The Grid Radio, uh, and he asked me the question about why I thought self-sufficiency or this lifestyle was the true path to freedom compared to the life that we used to live, you know, the life in the rat race. And I started going through all the things that you naturally do on the homestead for entertainment, you know, like walking in the woods, pasture walks, visiting your animals, tending to your garden. If you've got a pond, you know, you do fishing and stuff or even local lakes to kayak and everything. And I said, those things are all free. And in our old life and many people's lives, they spend a lot of money on entertainment. I think entertainment must be like the second or third line item for the most expensive thing. But when you change that mindset, there's so many things in this world that are free and more enjoyable and more rewarding than all those concerts we used to go to. Yeah. And once you get into it, I mean, you just become consumed by it. At least we did. You know, I mean, we went from not knowing anything about living off the land, not having any land to all of a sudden becoming interested in just moving to the country. And really remember it started because we just <laughs> wanted a place like where we could have a lot of dogs <laughs> and where we had land to play on. <laughs> yeah. I remember your first goal of homesteading was I want to have as many dogs as possible. And we, we made some progress towards that goal. <laughs> But we did. Yeah, we had a lot of dogs, but they most of them were working dogs, you know, because once we bought property, we quickly learned that, OK, if you're going to have acreage, you've got to do something with it. Mm. Otherwise, it's just going to become overgrown in, you know, brambles and brush and it's just going to kind of be wasted. And so we just immersed ourselves in learning about how to heal the land and how to do it naturally. Um, and we just spent all of our time reading I mean, we just were voracious readers at that point. We just wanted to consume everything that we could, you know, um, just to try to get any knowledge that we could about how people have done this and all of the different 
philosophies of it too, so that we could, you know, develop our own idea of what we wanted to do on the land. But once we started doing that, all of the other things in life just kind of fell away. We didn't want to go out anymore. Mm. We, you know, we didn't want to go to concerts and ball games because, oh no, I just got this new book. I want to read about this or learn about that now, you know? And so it just kind of took over. Yeah. I remember that being a real surprise to us. I remember when we were planning on moving to the country, we wanted to be within a couple of hours of a city like Atlanta at the time, because we wanted to go back for baseball games and concerts or maybe even travel. And you're right. We did absolutely none of that. I mean, like you said, we just went whole hog over the whole homesteading thing. And I think a lot of homesteaders and or new farmers do this. I mean, when, once you read the books and you get so excited, then you, you start ordering your garden seeds and you start ordering plants and visualizing your raised beds. And then you get these baby chicks and you get, you want to get one of every animal there is. It's like you become Noah's Ark. Every homesteader becomes Noah's Ark. Get a couple of everything. And, um, you know, that just consumed us for many years. It did, you know, and one thing kind of leads to another. So talking about going whole hog, I mean, we did that literally pretty much because we once we started reading about farming and raising animals, then we completely changed our perspective on the food system and what kind of food we wanted to eat. And so everything became about how much can we do on this land? How much of our own stuff can we produce? And when you do that, like you said, you just you start gardening and you're farming before you know it. And so you stop spending money on food and instead you're buying what garden seeds for $2 and 50 cents a packet. You know, I mean, your expenses just kind of completely change. It's almost impossible to not do farming when you're homesteading. I mean, there's this, there's this fine line that we've talked about many times before about, you know, the farmers are, uh, are a commercial enterprise and homesteaders are basically in it for self-sufficiency. But you know, it's, unless you have just a dot of land, like a quarter of an acre or so, you know, it's, you're just going to produce more food than you can possibly consume. And so you're going to have the extra calf or the extra piglets or whatever that you got to sell, which, you know, you can call yourself a homesteader, but, you know, you're selling them as a product. So that also makes you a farmer. Not to mention, and I'll, I'll get off topic here and then I'll get right back on topic. But this, this does relate to the notion of saving money in the homesteading environment. Um, there's so many tax advantages to operating a small farm, things that you get to write off as part of your farm and homestead, as long as you are trying to earn income over usually like 2,500 bucks a year or so, it depends on your state. But as long as you're producing a few calves or, you know, um, uh, you know, some piglets or whatever, you know, you get to write off your barn expenses, you get to write off your fencing and many other things. So there's a fine line there, but that is a benefit to pursuing this kind of lifestyle. Yeah. So, I mean, it really was always a trick question when people would ask, you know, can you make a living off of farming? Because, yeah, you can, but probably not the numbers that you're thinking about, you know? I mean, it was usually people that had corporate jobs and who were living an urban lifestyle that would ask us that. And I always felt like saying, we make a living fine to support what we want to do, but you would probably laugh at it, (laughs) you know? It's not like the income that you make. But we don't need it because we're not living the lifestyle that you're living with the expenses you have. Well, you know what I feel like saying to to um, normal America is, can you make a living doing what you're doing? Because you're straddled with debt. You got credit card debt. You got student loans and all kinds of other things. So how do you call that making a living? So if you're if you're focusing just on the top line on income, now you're, you're generally going to earn a lot more money in corporate America. Like I've said many times, I know people make a lot of money, but they spend an insane amount of money. And in this lifestyle, you don't spend that much money and you have, unless you really, really want to, 
and you have opportunities to save a lot of money and live frugally. And I think that's what we're going to talk about today. All kinds of ways that we have learned over the years that we've internalized that you can just save money and live a way freer and, and, um, and happier and healthier lifestyle. Yeah. So, you know, when we bought land in the country, it kind of sent us down a rabbit hole. <laughs> we started. You're good, with the, you're good with the farming metaphors today. You go whole Am hog, I? rabbit hole. <laughs> what else you got? I don't, know. I don't know. But I mean, you know, it started by just wanting some acreage. And before we knew it, um, you know, we're trying to produce as much food as we can for ourselves and for others. And, um, you know, I remember going through the cupboards maybe like a year after we had started farming and throwing everything out because I hadn't used any of my chemical cleaning products or, you know, shampoo or anything in so long because it just really does hit every aspect of your life. And we got the, you know, DIY on everything. Can I make my own soap? Can I make my own shampoo? You know, oh, can I make my own cleaning products? And it just kind of, it went to, you know, learning to knit, learning to sew, making our own gifts. We would make our own furniture. Um, you know, anything that we could repurpose or recycle, we'd get cheap items and then we would try to see, oh, how can I use this on the farm, you know? And so before we knew it, we had the homesteading mindset and it just was in every aspect of our life. And the strange thing that happened that we didn't expect was that once we had that mindset, we found that we began saving without even trying and we began eliminating our expenses without even trying you know like you said we thought we might want to go back to the city for events and entertainment and stuff we just found that we never wanted to do that so you know why why do you think that is i mean because you know that's such a surprise to both of us but you know we used to go to we'd go see 10 concerts at least a year maybe heck we'd see skinner alone 10 times a year i mean we'd go see all these shows and we'd go you know to theater or whatever out to eat and, but but it wasn't like it was an effort for us to let go of that. Do you think it's just because we got so busy or is it something else? No, I mean, I gen, genuinely did not want to go do those things. You know, it was more important to me and more fun for me to go sit with the cows. You know, when we move <laughs> them to a fresh paddock to just sit there in the grass and, you know, watch them munch all around me. You know, yeah. I mean, it just brings such an inner peace that. I wanted to do that more than I wanted to go do the things that we used to do. You know, and that's actually, um, again, I'll get a little bit off topic here, but that's actually kind of the hard part about our life now as homesteaders versus our life as farmers, right? Because we used to love going and sitting in the brood house this time of year. You know, February, you're going to have hundreds of chicks in there running around. It's nice and cozy. Or sitting out there in the pasture surrounded by 30 or 40 cows and they're munching You know, and then when you're homesteading, you have some of that, but the numbers are much smaller. Yeah, it's on such a smaller scale that I guess you don't get quite the impact of it. But you also don't get all the headache of, well, okay, um, here are these 30 or 40 cows I also have to take care of. Now we can look and be like, oh, there's a couple cows. Okay, maybe I'll bring them hay every five or six days, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Yeah, so let's get into, uh, let's go through the list in a second. I started out with this list with you. We came up with about a dozen things, but it kind of has evolved into, when you think about all the subcategories, probably 50 ways that we have learned to save money, live happier, and live more frugally, but feel like we're living um, you know, as, as rich a lifestyle as we could possibly live. So let's go through some of these ways. So, you know, the trick question, can you make money farming or homesteading? Well, the real question is that how much money do you really need to make? Because 
there's all kinds of things that we do that actually make it so we don't need to make as much money. And the first thing that we have found is having a smaller house is definitely something that I wish we had known right away because it took us years of farming and then a move to get to where we realized it, you know, but you know, in the 1950s, the average house was 1100 square feet. And I mean, people raised families. In yeah, a fam- that family. Size. Is, well, <laughs> yeah. not only then, they had more kids back then. I mean, the average family had like four children back then. Yeah, yeah. And fast forward to 2012, I think it was like 2,300 square feet. Right. And you know, the bigger the house is, the harder you have to work to afford the utilities to heat it or cool it or whatever, depending on your climate. You know. And so when we first moved to the country, we we're used to having that big house and that's what we built and found out that it was a waste and it was a burden. Right. And so we've realized now that the smaller house is definitely the way to go because you spend so much time outside. You don't need that big house. Well, you know, and we had a big house before and you just store junk in it. A big house is a reason to accumulate junk and to store junk. And that's it. You know, you don't need all those rooms. And even the house we have now, which is an average size house, you know, according to the 2,306 square feet average, um, statistic that's out there, you know, you know, we still store stuff. I mean, of course, now, of course, nowadays we store food and stuff versus, <laughs> you know, you know, um, uh, souvenirs or things like that. But I mean, I grew up in a house that was about a thousand square feet of t- maybe 900 square feet. And there were like five of us in there. <laughs> and from a kid's point of view, that doesn't seem like a small house. It's only from the adult's point of view in the modern society that that seems like it's a small house and you need something bigger to keep up with the proverbial Joneses. Right. You know, and I mean, I grew up always sharing a bedroom with my sister and nowadays kids each have their own bedroom, you know, and I mean, why they they're going to play together anyway. Might as well share a bedroom. So a smaller house has way lower utility costs that has way lower property taxes is much easier to clean. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's cozier for the family, closer together. It's just a much smarter decision. You know, we have found than having a large house. That's why we went that route. But the other thing that we've done, you know, a couple of times now, uh, twice, is to buy cheap land. I think a lot of times when you look for a homestead, you know, we see these pictures of these idyllic properties where, you know, it's nestled in these uh, gentle sloping mountains with a nice pond and you got all this privacy and stuff like that. And that's beautiful if you can get it, but that those those properties come at a cost. And when you, when you get land like the farm that we bought, the first piece of property we bought, it was overgrown, hadn't been farmed or used in over a dozen years. They were bra- it was just abandoned. They were brambles everywhere, hundreds of yards of brambles and stuff that we brought back to health, you know, through using, you know, you know machinery and through using uh, livestock. And, you know, less fertile land is a lot cheaper and a lot more available. And, you know, and it, <laughs> and it gives you something to do out there on the homestand to bring it back to health. And rural land, too, is going to be a lot cheaper. And if your goal really is to homestead, then you better plan on being at home a lot. Mm. And so why not be rural? You don't need to be near the big city because you're not going to be taking advantage of those amenities anyway. Oh, I get it. Homestead. (laughs) I get it. Stay homestead. Okay. (laughs) So the third thing that we've learned that we used to not do well many years ago and the way many people don't today because most of us are in the, uh, the consumption society where we buy things. But we've learned to buy cheap stuff and just use it over and over again until it wears out. And and I shouldn't say buy cheap stuff. Uh, buy cheap stuff or use what you buy over and over again. Because one example is, you know, we've got, you know, I've got a, you know, a F-150 pickup that wasn't cheap because I bought it new. But that was 
14 years ago, and it's got 260,000 miles on it now, and I'm going to drive it till it's got a half a million. Now, I've replaced a transmission on it once, but replacing a transmission is nothing you know, compared to the cost of buying a new vehicle. So that whole mindset, I was never like that before. Before we moved to the homestead. You used to lease cars well, just yeah, so you could get a new one every year. Every, every, yeah, every, <laughs> every, every year or two, I'd have a new car. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I never went more than two years without a car for, I don't know, 20 years. And now I'm the completely 180 the opposite, which is, you know, get something and drive it into the ground. Well, and I think you need to be smart about where you buy cheap stuff. You know, um, buy cheap stuff when it's appropriate. So things like clothes. Yeah, you can buy them used. You can buy them from a, from a thrift store, you know. Um, but like you said, maybe your vehicle you do want to spend more money on. But use things like um, farm auctions. Remember when mm. we the first farm auction we went to, we were like, yeah. wow, this is like a gold mine of stuff that we can get dirt cheap. That, that, <laughs> so that, auctioneer was, that auctioneer was so funny. The very first time we went because I didn't know what I was buying out in the country and stuff. And I looked at this thing salivating that I really wanted. And the auctioneer <laughs> zeroed in on me. And then I looked at you and he said, don't look at her. Look at me. Don't look at her. Look at me. <laughs> Yeah, so auctions are great places to buy things. You know, and everybody knows about Craigslist and FreeCycle, and you go to Facebook groups, and you can look for your local yard sales in your area. I mean, you remember when we used to live in that golf course community before we moved to the farm? Remember what the yard sales were like there? Oh, my God. Okay, here's the advice. If you guys want nice <laughs> stuff, go to these nice communities. They have these organized yard sales a couple of times a year. My goodness, the things are great, and people get rid of them for cheap, and then they go spend a lot of money on something new because they're making a lot of money. Yep. Well, you know, and another thing that um, helps a homesteader save a lot of money, which we don't necessarily do. I mean, we don't we don't deprive ourselves of things or whatever, but um, you can ditch the unnecessary expenses. So there may be things that we choose to spend money on, but we know that if we needed to pinch pennies or something, we could get rid of these things and it wouldn't really hurt us that much, you know? So, you know, first of all, ditch your gym membership. You don't need that when you're outside digging fence post holes or building barns. Or things. walking through the woods or you're just getting your body active all the time. Right. And the internet service. I mean, we use internet. We, we have kept that, but we've talked about it before. And we know that that's one area that if we wanted to save money, we could do without that because we could go to the library or, you know, a coffee shop once a week or something because we don't need to be on the internet all the time. You know, the only reason we keep internet is actually our biggest monthly expense. It's wow. bigger. It's bigger than electrical or anything else because we use it for, you know, business and for these kind of things. But if, if we didn't use internet for home business, if we didn't do some of that, I would say let's get rid of the internet completely. And if you want internet, drive to a coffee shop or the library and use some Wi-Fi uh, hotspots because Otherwise, internet kind of consumes you at home. You find yourself going online when you don't really have to or, you know, just looking for something on YouTube or Pinterest or, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'd say let's just get rid of it. Yeah. And TV and cable. I mean, we have to have satellite TV because, you know, we don't have cable in our area. But we really debated whether or not we wanted to get that when we moved here because yeah. we don't watch much TV. And it's a big expense for not watching that much. Yeah, the, the TV shows that we do watch a few TV shows religiously, right? We watch three shows, I guess, religiously. We watch The Walking Dead, 
We got to watch that, right? And we watch Alaska: The Last Frontier and Alaskan Bush People. Yeah. And then I guess Maybe. when it's on, we watch uh, Live Free or Die. So all we watch is people shows about people who are surviving <laughs> and homesteading. And then we watch Alone. So I guess yeah. now we got like five shows that we watch. But I mean, it's just because it's there. It's you know? just because I mean, it's there. If we didn't have it, it would not be a big deal to us at all. You know. Well, if we didn't watch those shows, we just go outside and and keep living those shows. That's what we're doing anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. You could get by without that, but that, that 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 leads to another podcast episode we'll do some other time, which is you can organize your life out here where you t- you extract these things and take them away, and then you find yourself bored. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, what do I do now? So we'll talk about that in a different episode. What about food and food shopping and stuff like that? What, what What's the impact of that when you have a homesteader's mindset? Gosh, I think that's probably one of the biggest ways to save money. Because you're growing and producing almost all of your own food. Um, you know, you've got your livestock, you've got your um, milk cow where you can make mm. <laughs> cheese, butter, yogurt, whatever. You've got your eggs, you've got bees giving you honey, you know. I mean, you you don't have to spend even a fraction of what the average American spends at the grocery store. And every time I do go to the grocery store, I'm amazed at how much things cost. Yeah, it's ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous. I mean, things like herbs that are so easy to grow are so expensive. Right, yeah. But that's not the only way that we limit our food shopping. We also buy in bulk. Um, We've used uh, LDS. Yeah, Latter-day Saints, yeah. So, you know, so when you go to LDS, you know, they have their canning stores across the country places uh their their home centers that you can go to to can but you just order online i'll put a i'll put a link to this at the show notes at the selfsufficientlife.com of where you can order but i mean it's you don't get the food for wholesale you get the food for cost i mean so we buy our cans of flour that are packed for 10 to 15 year shelf life you know so we buy them by the case we have many cases it's because we do grow and produce a lot of our own food but don't think that we're growing everything we don't grow our own wheat because it doesn't make any sense wheat lasts 30 years so we buy wheat in 5 gallon buckets and we have many of them put away and then we when we want to use the wheat we have grinders to grind the wheat so we use LDS for a lot of these foods that we don't grow ourselves and you don't have to be christian you don't have to be mormon you don't have to have any um you know religious uh, you know affiliation to do that it's just a wonderful service because the Mormon mentality is they want everyone to be prepared. So we've used LDS a lot. Yeah, and there's also co-ops. Um, you know, we if you find other homestead or like-minded people in your community, I guarantee you're going to find people that have put together some sort of a co-op buying plan. Um, you know, I mean, we've only been here for less than a year and we've already had two or three people say hey you want to get in our on our buying you know we're putting in a big order and you can save a lot of money by buying in bulk when a lot of families get together you save on shipping and um, you get discounts for buying in large quantities so you know get used to buying in bulk and putting your food aside and it's there when you need it plus you're saving money yeah well that's the whole prepper mindset anyway right you know the prepper mindset is let's put food away and let's have it but you tend to do that by buying like you said in bulk and large quantities and then learning the skills to do things like repackage and mylar bags and then seal them for long-term storage so that's a skill you learn you save money by doing that and then you've got it put away so if you've got a big house you know turn most of it into a pantry you know and um, you know then you do that and then you know of course there's Always on almost any homestead, hunting and fishing. If you don't, if you can't fish on your property, most homesteads are located close to rivers or to lakes where you can. You know, you're talking about, and particularly if you can put in a pond on your property, which is what we've always done. 
you're talking about perpetually free food. Remember you were just talking to someone about that and you said, well, if I had a pond, then, you know, I just fish and there's free food. And they kind of stopped from it and looked at you and they were like, oh, I guess you're right. He didn't give what I was talking about. I said, well, listen, when you when you deal with cattle or when you deal with poultry or pigs or whatever, you've still got expenses. I mean, you got expenses in, in terms of infrastructure like barns or hay or brood lights or feed or whatever, but not with fish. If you're going to, if you're going to, if you have an established pond, you're good to go because fish reproduce and you continue to harvest wisely over the years. And so you not only have free fish, free seafood forever. It's not really seafood. Hey dude, I've been trying to teach you this since you moved out of Massachusetts. Catfish is seafood. C-A-T, cat, seafood. Anyway, we digress. But, um, you know, you not only have free food, but you actually have free entertainment. You know, you just go out there and go to the pond, go fishing for the afternoon. So, you know, yeah, it's a great way to, you know, have access to food, to save a lot of money and cut the entertainment expense and the food expense at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that we um, have spent money on is our pets, you know, I mean, which is kind of tricky when you're raising animals for food and trying to say, okay, who is a pet and who is not a pet, you know, but um, we do keep pet dogs. And well, Liz, even, I'll make it simple. The dogs are pets. We're not, <laughs> yeah. we're not that hungry. <laughs> I don't know. I was at a farmer's market one time and someone was telling me, I don't, I'm not going to get into that. But anyway. Now the cat back, the cat can go either way. <laughs> anyway. Um, you know, but we've had working dogs, too, and um, it can get expensive to feed them. But one way that you can save money is by hunting mm -hmm. and, you know, get an extra deer and can it and put it aside for some dog food or talk to other hunters. There are a lot of hunters that, you know, hunt just for sport. And so they don't really have a need for that much meat and they'd be happy to donate either the deer or the leftover parts that they don't have. You know, I mean, we've talked to people in the country that hunt and when they kill a deer, they just take the back strap. They just want the tenderloin right. and nothing else. And it's like, well, what are you going to do with the rest of it? I don't know. You want it for your dogs? <laughs> all, all that meat, all those bones. I mean, you can, you can, I would can it, but if you're not comfortable with that, you can put it in the freezer, but you're going to have a year supply of way healthier and more nutritious dog food uh, than you would if you had to go to the store and buy that. So yes, another way you can cut your expenses. So for, as it relates to food, I mean, there's other ways too. There's just a lot of ways you can save money <laughs> and live better and live healthier by adopting the um, the homesteader's mindset, but you know one of the things that you know we learned to do, and I guess we could we could have done this in the other world too, but you just don't do it when you're in the corporate world, is doing more things ourselves, right? Well, I guess we always felt like we didn't have time, which is crazy because I look back at it now and I'm like, when we lived in the city, what did we do? Right. <laughs> I mean, well, you, we, why did we, we ever feel like it? we had time to change the oil in our own cars or mow our own lawn or right. clean our own house or, you know, I mean, we hired out for all of that stuff because that's what everybody did. And you go spend, I would go, I have, you know, what little hair I have, I would go spend, you know, $30 to get my hair cut. You know, of course, today you cut my hair for me. And I, I got tired of spending money to have the dogs groomed, too. So I was like, well, I'm going to learn how to do that. You yeah, know? because so, what do they care what their hair looks like? <laughs> hey, I, mean, I don't do a bad job. They look fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't mean it that way, honey. <laughs> I just mean that, you know, I don't know why. I don't know why you resisted it for so long. <laughs> so there's a lot of DIY mentality that takes takes over you as you become, as you adopt this lifestyle, you, you don't plan like I'm going to go do all of these things. But then all of a sudden you start building things too. You start making your own stuff as well. You know, um, and so you, you know, that whole, I can do it mentality. I can grow my own food. I can hunt. I can change my own oil. I can do small engine repair. If you can't do those things, you learn them pretty quickly. 
And, um, you know, it saves you a lot of money and it gives you a lot of valuable skills at the same time. Yeah. So not just, you know, doing the services yourself, but you start making your own things, which can be tricky because we do make a lot of our own stuff. And a lot of the times it does save us money. But every now and then you think it's going to. And by the time you're done with the project, you're like, wow, I could have probably bought that cheaper, <laughs> you know. But these are things that you learn as you go. But one thing that I'm thinking of is is clothes. You know, you always think, oh, let, let me just make my own clothes, you know. So I taught myself how to sew and to knit and I really did. I started that because I wanted to learn those skills. Um, plus, it also makes a hobby. But when I first started learning those things, I was thinking, well, I'm going to save a lot of money if I could make my own clothes until I went to go buy fabric. And, you know, I realized that, you know, you can go to Walmart or something and buy a shirt for five dollars. And there's no way that you can buy enough fabric to make that same shirt for five dollars. So right. that's kind of a misnomer. But what you can do with clothes that will save a lot of money is um, not necessarily making them from scratch, but if you have those sewing skills, you can repair clothes so that they last longer. So, I mean, we don't throw out clothes just because they got a little hole in them or, you know, a few buttons fell off or something. You know, instead, we fix them and we just keep using them until they wear out to the point that we can't fix them anymore. You made me throw away my Alice in Chains shirt last month. It was not fixable. <laughs> there was nothing. It had not one hole in it. There wasn't a hole in that shirt. It was so thin. It was see-through. <laughs> Dude, this is a body you want to see. I think I speak for everybody when I say that. <laughs> I mean, I love that shirt. Now it's gone and it's never going to be back again. So, okay. So another thing you can make on your own that um, I didn't do for several years and I've only started experimenting with uh, in the last year is alcohol. Um, now we've, you know, made uh, mead before with your, with your dad, you know, from our honey. But in the last few months I've made blackberry wine and I've also made uh, beer and, you know, and they're easy to make and uh, they're, you know, the blackberry wine was, you know, essentially free. I mean, uh, you know, the cost of sugar basically, but all of our own blackberries and stuff. And there's so many fruits that you have that you're growing. You don't have to think about, you know, having a vineyard. I mean, if you have a vineyard, that's great, but you can also make wine out of peaches or apples or whatever else that you Dandelions. have. Dandelions. Dandelions or elder. I guess elder, you have to change your taste, yeah. but, you know, yeah. if you want to, then it's pretty much free. Yeah. You know, but as I said, alcohol. And it's like, um, my next thing that I'm going to experiment with is making liquor. So that's I the, thought that was illegal. It is illegal. So here you are. So hush. The, I'm not in the feds here about it. So I'm going to do some distilling. They don't know where I'm at. I talked about that in my <laughs> privacy episode. The feds can't find me. Oh, don't put it past them. <laughs> okay. Well, the feds aren't going to be listening to this podcast anyway. But you can make your own alcohol and it's fun. And the nice thing about these things, again, is you're not only saving money and creating something unique, but you're learning skills at the same time. But man, one way that we save a lot of money is making toys for our daughter out of things we find in nature. Well, you know, sometimes when I talk to other parents or we go for play dates at other people's houses and I look at the toys they have and all I can think of is, wow, how much money it costs to buy all of those plastic toys. And it seems like they have every single one, you know, and I, I I can go in the woods and find, you know, sounds silly, but rocks and sticks and pine cones. And <laughs> Don't say cow pies. No. <laughs> but, I mean, we can make toys for her, and she is literally just as happy, if not happier, with those than the other kids are with their plastic toys that cost $60 at Toys R Us. Yeah, and remember the first year that we were we moved out uh, to the country, 
and we went to um, my niece's uh, house for Christmas, and she's had four children, and we made everybody gifts that mm-hmm. were basically from nature. We made, you know, chess boards, or, you know, we've made all kinds of gifts Hobby over horse. the years. Yeah. yeah, and, Walking and they sticks. loved them. Yeah. Right. And, and since then, every year, we basically make something natural. You know, that's those are the gifts that you and I like the most. I mean, this year, you made me this awesome, um, you know, uh, shoehorn, you know, out of, a, I guess you carved it out of a stick or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to have a Christmas club where I would have to put money aside from every paycheck just so that by the time Christmas came, hopefully I would have enough that I could buy all of the gifts that I needed. And now that idea is like so far gone. You know, I mean, we don't spend much. If we want to spend something, then we will. But we don't want to. We would much rather put our heart and soul into making something. And people seem to enjoy it more. Yeah. I mean, I guess we should say that. I mean, it's not like we're broke because we're not. It's like we just don't. That's just not a value of ours. I mean, it's just we, that homesteading mindset. It's again. that mindset. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. So it's just you know the gifts that we make for other people now are, and the gifts that I prefer to receive are the ones that somebody thought to make something that's simple from their heart and from their hands rather than something that they bought that's you know a six hundred dollar iPad or whatever it may be. But you know we've also made plenty of you know things for you know domestic purposes too around the house over the years. Yeah, you definitely save money on that. You know. Um, we used to buy cleaning products before we, you know, got into this whole, you know, started researching about the toxicity of all the chemicals and everything. We would buy, I don't know, there would be a million different cleaning products because everything is so specialized. You need this for that purpose, that for that purpose. Right. You know, Now I clean the whole house with baking soda and vinegar <laughs> and you can buy that in and big bulk. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> You can buy that stuff in big bulk quantities and it lasts forever and you can clean everything with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our whole mindset has really changed. I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of ways right there that we've just gone through that, you know, you start to save money without even meaning to save money and you learn skills without meaning to. But we got a bunch more coming up right after this. Hey, it's Tim Young. When Liz and I moved to the country, Layman's.com was one of our first stops. That's where we found the oil lamps, canning supplies, hand crank grain mills, wood cooking stoves, even the emergency supplies that we depend on. Founded in the 1950s, Layman's started as a hardware store serving the Amish in Kidron, Ohio. Today, Layman's specializes in practical, non-electric goods that will help you live that simpler life you're craving. Even if you work in the city, you can still be a modern homesteader, and Layman's has the nostalgic and practical home decor and kitchen appliances you're looking for. So whether you're looking for time-tested farm and garden tools or off-grid stove and appliances, Layman's has the high-quality products that every farmer, modern homesteader, and prepared person needs. Layman's, for a simpler life. Find them at layman's.com. That's L-E-H-M-A-N-S dot com. Okay, we're back. We talked about a bunch of ways so far that you save money and you reap the benefits of living a homestead lifestyle once you adopt the mindset. But now let's get into a few more ways that we have learned that um, that are opportunities for you to save money and to get things done that you couldn't do otherwise or that would take a lot of money. And one of the one of those skills is bartering. You know, so an example of this um, that um, I'm looking at doing right now is if you get skills from the city from, uh, you know, you got marketing skills or writing skills. I'm trading with a person who's got construction equipment um, to actually do some land clearing for me to put in a small pond. But what he can't figure out how to do is to develop a website and then to do content marketing on his website so that people knows, you know, what, what he does and so people can find him. 
So something as simple as that, there's ways in the country to trade those kind of skill sets to barter and get things that you want. But what are some other ways? Well, or vice versa. If you don't necessarily have those, um, you know, I don't know, to call them urban life skills like, you know, technology repair or website building or something. But if instead you have more of the country type skill set where you are good at construction, well, use your back, you know, I mean, offer that labor to help someone with a with someone with a project in exchange for them helping you out you know mm. i mean it's very common in the country that well why don't you help me put up this shed and you know a couple weekends from now i'll help you put up that barn you know and before you know it you're getting free labor and you're offering free labor and so everybody's happy yeah and there's two ways you can do it with with timber i mean there's one way is that you can cut firewood off your property and use that as a barter for things that you need the other way is that you might have timber on your property that you can't take down that you want taken down. Maybe you want to clear land for pasture or whatnot. So trade that for someone who can harvest that timber and take it down, and then they can uh, cut up the firewood and market the firewood. So if you've got the land, there's ways that you can do that as well. But, you know, let's face it, too. If you're new to homesteading, um, chances of you wanting to take some sort of a class or pay someone to teach you some kind of a new skill is pretty good, you know. And these kinds of classes are out there, and they are expensive, and so why not think about what kind of talents or, or knowledge that you have, develop a class around that area, and then see if you can swap. There's a lot of ways to do that. Um, I mean, I know people that, for example, they have a blog. They, a lot of people who move to the homestead have a blog or whatever, and they'll trade doing an interview or a blog post at that class to help publicize it for going to the class. Or, you know, in our case, you know, we've had cheese-making classes that we would trade for a survival class that might teach us the skills that, that we want to learn. So there's a lot of opportunities for that. What about when you, when you start getting into the gardening front? I mean, are there, you know, other than the ways people think about it, if I grow food, it's going to be cheaper or whatever, but that's not always true if you're going out buying all these plants and all these transplants and stuff. What are things that we can do to save money there? Well, I mean, the amount of vegetables you're going to get back from a purchase transplant is going to pay for the plant 10 times over anyway, as long as it grows and, you know, is productive and whatever. But you can save even more money by starting the transplants yourself. It's not that hard. You don't need to have a huge greenhouse. You don't have to put tons of money into this, you know. I mean, you can start the seeds yourself in a sunny window or, you know, a little sort of protected cold frame type thing that you build outside. You can make your own compost. You can make your own pots out of newspaper or toilet paper rolls or anything like that. And before you know it, you don't have to buy those transplants anymore. Now you're just buying seeds and you'll save a lot more money. Hmm. Cool, dude. About time but, to get into that, isn't it? But I do still want a greenhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I built you a greenhouse at the last property. I now we're at the new it. property. <laughs> I know. I'm going to build you one, honey, but you haven't noticed, but I've been busy building other things. Okay, so, yeah, another another tip is to spend money on things that will make you money. We all care about money. So what can you spend money on that's not going to go down the hole but actually is going to make you money? So, for example, livestock can make you money. I've talked before many times that we've never lost money on cattle at all. You know, so if you have the property where you can buy a few cows to start a herd, um, you know, let them breed, make calves for essentially free, grow that over a period of time. Livestock can make you money if you're just selling livestock. They can also make you money if you turn that into a value-added product like grass-fed beef or, um, you know, or, or a meat product. But, you know, you can, you can apply that to any form of livestock, whether it's pigs, chickens, or anything else. But if you do it right, they make you money. 
Well, and there are some things on the homestead that you probably are going to want to spend money on. You're going to want to buy something, you know, really good quality, say, for example, a tractor, um, which you don't have to have. But, you know, if you're going to buy a tractor, you're going to want to buy a good tractor and make sure it's going to last and all. But before you just go spending that money, maybe you should think about, well, what kind of a plan could I have to use this tractor to offer services now that I've spent money on this to help it pay for itself? And here's a tip for you, which I kind of alluded to earlier. If you buy that tractor and you're going to be a homesteader, you're going to pay for that tractor. If you buy that tractor and you're going to be a homesteader who's also going to operate a small farm that's going to do a few thousand dollars a year or more, you can write that tractor off. You get a big tax break for doing that and your barn and many other things on your farm. So think about that. Even if you don't want to be a farmer, there's there's benefits for you having a small farm, even if you're just selling you know, um, you know, a few animals a year or whatever it may be. Uh, and that will really help you with doing that. So we talked about this earlier, um, you know, other ways that we've learned to, you know, save money. We talked about we didn't go back to the city because we didn't want to go back to the city. But one of the things about the country is, you know, a 45-minute drive is, a, is about as close as anything is. So one of the things that you have to learn is to not make frivolous trips. And that was really hard for us. I mean, I found myself in the beginning, like going to Lowe's an hour away every day. Yeah. Like, oh, I need some screws. I better go to the hardware store. And then you come back two hours later, you get into the project. Oh, I forgot that I need this. I better go back, you know? And it only takes a few times of doing that before you realize this is just crazy. I need to plan better. I need to organize better. I need to go to town or whatever once a week rather than every day. When you say you, do you mean the proverbial you or do you mean um, me? Because you're making me sound pretty disorganized I here. I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's totally me, totally me. You know, and it's like, uh, you know, you get this mindset of not running to the grocery store every time you're out of something. And in fact, what we've done, and I think probably many homesteaders have, you know, our daughter thinks this house is a grocery store. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, with the pantry is huge. And then we have another building outside that's all food, the long-term storage mm -hmm. stuff. So if you, if you have, the, if you set up your environment where you can buy and store these things, and, and you know this, Liz, I'm really good at it. anything that you say you want from the grocery store. When I go, I buy five of them. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't like running out of anything. So always store all this stuff. And most of the perishables that you buy, you don't have to buy when you're homesteading. The perishables being, you know, it's going to be greens or something, grow them in your garden. And if it's going to be cheese or if it's going to be milk, you know, get that from your cow. So you don't have to go to the store and get that. Yeah. And any errands that we do have to do, we usually do them on the way to something else. So if we already have somewhere that we have to go, like taking our daughter to karate class or something, well, we know we have to do that once a week. So that's our day to do errands. And we plan that around it. On the way home, we're going to stop at the store or whatever, pick up whatever we need. And that is our one day out, our our one big day off the homestead. <laughs> you, know, you know what people do um, in... in um, in the rat race, on the other side of the wall, honey, what we used to do is that you just, a form of entertainment is just to go shopping to look around. Not necessarily yeah. buy anything, but just yeah. kind of go window shopping. <laughs> you mean you don't need anything? You're just going to go look? Yeah, I'm just going to go look at stuff. <laughs> go to walk to the store and browse things. I mean, do you miss any of that at all? I don't. I yeah. really don't. <laughs> see, <laughs> because see? if I walked around the store, I would just, there wouldn't be anything I'd want to buy. I, I just, I'm so far out of that, you know? That's the tip there, guys, to being frugal. Marry a woman like that, you know, <laughs> who doesn't want that and who wants to recycle things. And she uh, has me build things out of pallets and she wants to go to Goodwill. Never to get her take her out to any fancy dinners and then she'll never want to go shopping for clothes again. Yeah, that's right. That's right. If you don't take her out anywhere that needs clothes, then you got to buy clothes. Exactly. 
you know, and of course, you know, but then again, we do order things online, right? I mean, because, you know, we're no different than, you know, we keep Amazon in business as well as anyone else does, but we don't have to travel anywhere from that. Yeah. And with prime shipping, you know, I mean, you pay that one time fee and you use it all year long. If you use that for your clothes or whatever it is that you did need, then you're going to make the money back there. You're going to end up saving money. Let's spend the last few minutes on this on one last section um, that, you know, we've kind of talked about a few times in here. We've woven it through this episode, which is cheap entertainment. Because remember, you know, there was a time that we would we would love going to St. Thomas or to Las Vegas or those kind of places. And every time you go there, you got to stay in nice hotels or resorts anyway and pay to get there. Yeah. When you said that entertainment was like the second or third line item on a budget, I almost laughed because I swear for us, it was, uh, it the, was first. the first. It was the first. <laughs> yeah, it was. We spent a lot of money. But I mean, and I know I, and I know a lot of people don't do that and can't do that. But there are also a lot of people out there who can and do that. And we did that. But, um, you know, today, you know, what's our mindset on all that stuff today? Well, I mean, yeah, we it's kind of a nice idea to take a nice vacation every now and then or something. But, I mean, honestly, if we have time to take a vacation, we want to go camping. Because I, I don't know why. Because, I mean, it's basically our life anyway. But that's just the time that we get really extra great quality time together. Which is really funny. You always say that, and you're exactly right. It's true. We get amazing quality time when we're camping, but it almost makes you think that we don't get quality time together when we're living our life. I know. And we get great quality time every single day. Yeah. Or like, what do you like about camping? Well, you get to go in the woods, you know, with no distractions. Well, couldn't we do that any afternoon anyway? Yeah. So we, we could, <laughs> but what happens here at home? It, when you're at home on a homestead is, you know, I'll still be in my office in here, doing my thing for a few hours, like this podcast episode and then editing it and then all the things to get it online and the blog post and all that kind of stuff. And that separates me from you. But when we're camping, there is no separation. We're there together. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's kind of strange, but I mean, yeah, we just would prefer that vacation over anything. We really do. And we've just grown to like these rural events. Remember we went to a lavender festival. We went to you know, the Foxfire days in North Georgia one time. We We've gone to these homestead days where they show you the old cabins and the homestead skills that people used to do. It's really funny, right? I mean, I think that really is a testament to how much that we love this lifestyle is that when we have a chance to go to a deer tanning, you know, class or whatever, that's where we're going to go. Right. That's a vacation for us. Yeah. If a deer tanning class came to, to came to town today and Leonard Skinner came to town, I might just go to the tanning class. <laughs> you know, sorry, boys, I've seen you a lot of times, but I got to move on now. But, you know, rural areas offer events like that, I think, because they know that the entertainment is so far away. And so... They'll, there will be things like movies in the park during the summers, um, free concerts in the squares, you know. Um, there's, like you said, all kinds of festivals and things every fall. You can always look forward to the apple picking festivals mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so you can take advantage of some kind of that ent entertainment. And if it's not free, then it's it's not going to cost more than $5, you know. I mean, it's all very inexpensive. So. Take advantage of some stuff like that. It's cheap entertainment. Yeah, I mean, and if you got children like we do, I mean, your local or regional libraries often have things too that, you know, that cost you virtually nothing. So you just change your whole mindset. You don't think about, I'm going to take everybody to, you know, back when I was in Boston, you know, you take them to the Red Sox game or whatever, but, you know, or to the Celtics game. But tickets are outrageously expensive for those kind of things, which means you got to go make money. You know, for us, we'll just sit home and, you know, watch them on TV if we want to do that or you know, go out and do our own thing here. Or go to the local high school sports, you yeah. know? I mean, yeah, it's not the same thing, but it's still a night out and it's entertaining. It's yeah. fun. 
at least with the local high school sports, you can get a corn dog. You can't get that up in Boston, so <laughs> that's good. All right, so how about, you know, we go for hikes a lot of times in the pasture, you know, in our own woods. That's our best entertainment, isn't it? It and is. And it costs nothing. It is. I mean, if we, if we really feel like the need that we need to go do something fun, and we'll look at each other and say, what do you want to do? Let's go for a walk in the woods. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds like, you know, we, you know, all these poor people, they have no money, they can't do anything. But that's what we really enjoy doing. I mean, it's our great time together. And plus, it's a schooling opportunity for our daughter. I mean, we get a chance to teach her about nature and plants and, you know, edibilities. And all. Is edibilities, you think, a word? I just made it one. I don't know. Sure you sounds just like say it's a good word. That are edible. <laughs> edibilities. We teach her about natural edibilities. So there you go. So that's a great word right there for you guys listening to this. But there's all those things that you can do. Now, if you have land where you don't have your own woods, there's state parks that are all around that are even better to go through. So there's a lot of cheap entertainment there. But what my wife likes to do is she likes to shoot. <laughs> That is the best entertainment right there. Target practice. <laughs> and of course, you know, she was really timid. You were really timid with uh, firearms and stuff years ago. And you yes. still are to a degree, for, you know, for some of them, you know. But um, a few months ago, I, we took our daughter out and I let her shoot her first, you know, 22, you know, because she's only four. So I took her out there with her and shooting that. And you got to shoot that and found out that, oh, man, that thing is That's super. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you love shooting a 22 long range. That's great. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, that plus, you know, archery, you know, you actually made, you know, a bow and arrow for her as well. And, uh, you know, we've got a couple that were out there shooting and stuff, and I've got a crossbow. And so uh, I'm going to set us up with a uh, a shooting range this year where we can shoot archery and we can uh, I'm shoot a fire. I'm going to hold you to that. I know, but I will. I do the things I say I'm going to do. I did all the things <laughs> last year I said I was going to do, didn't I? You did. You're wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build you that shooting range. But when we do that, you know, that's free, fun entertainment. I mean, and out here in our world, I mean, everybody's shooting all around anyway, so it's not, nothing at all, you know, to uh, have a shooting range. So that's a whole bunch of stuff we just went through, right? We save a lot of money, don't we? Well, I mean, yeah, you, you do save a lot of money. I mean, the idea to have your own shooting range and all these things we talked about for entertainment, but all the ways that, you know, you can do it yourself to stop making frivolous trips, that you can save on gardening, on food and everything else. There's a whole bunch of ways to save money in the country. So can you make money by homesteading? Well, that, I mean, I guess you can, but you don't need to is the <laughs> bottom line. You can you can make money doing anything in life that you want to do. I'll tell you, if you're in America, that's the way our system works. There's money out there. You can make it, but that's not the right question. The right question is, what kind of life do you want to live and how much money do you need to live that life? I hope you enjoyed this episode of Liz and I sharing our self-sufficient life. Perhaps it will give you some ideas and inspiration as you look for ways to become more self-sufficient wherever you are. Please subscribe to the Self-Sufficient Life podcast on iTunes or elsewhere. And please take just a second right now to leave a review. It helps with the rankings and it allows others to learn about a self-sufficient life. Hey, as always, the show notes from this episode are available on my website, theselfsufficientlife.com. And while you're there, download the Self-Sufficient Roadmap. It's free and can put you on your journey to opting out today. Alarm wakes me up and I'm right out the door. Fighting traffic in a car that I'm still paying for. A cup of coffee, four dollars gone. They stick me in a cubicle And now I'm somebody's pawn 
Kids wanna play, but I always gotta go.